Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome. Thank you for joining me. Today, we're going to be continuing in our Passion to Pentecost series as we look today in the next lesson. I want to continue to understand another aspect of Jesus' final appearance and message to his disciples just before he will return to his Father in heaven, where he is seated now at the present time. And so I want us to discuss this final message to his disciples in the topic of today called ambassadorship. As Jesus prepares to leave to return to the Father, as the scripture says, until his enemies are made his footstool, as David had prophesied, and until the restitution of all things, as Peter said in Acts, he will now deliver final words to them before he goes away. We looked at a little of that in the last lesson. In this today, he's going to institute the mandate for these disciples. And it is one of ambassadorship. It's wrapped up in what we typically call the Great Commission. I want us to look at that today. And I want to begin by reading Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Then I want to go over to Mark, because Mark also speaks of this. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So I want to talk about this great commission today as we understand and learn about ambassadorship. The last thing Jesus does here is commission ambassadors to carry on the work on his behalf. He is going to send them forth with his message on his errand. To understand what an ambassador is, let's consider several things. First of all, the dictionary definition simply speaks of an official accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country or an official envoy, a representative of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government as the resident representative of his own government appointed and sent on a special and often temporary assignment an authorized representative or a messenger. So for instance, various countries will have an ambassador to a different country, the ambassador of the United States to Iran or to Israel or to Russia or wherever. And those other nations will have representatives here that are ambassadors on their behalf. There are ambassadors to the United Nations representing their country to the United Nations. So it is an official representative, even as a resident representative. So for instance, 
the ambassador to Israel from the United States may live in Israel, but he is representing the United States. He or she is representing the United States. It speaks of an authorized representative or messenger, one that goes on an errand for another. In scripture, the Hebrew word speaks of an envoy or a messenger, a herald, such as like a town crier would have been in the olden days, a herald, an errand doer, one that is constrained by the principal, in other words, the person who sent them on the errand. They're constrained to do his work, to deliver his message. It is an errand doer. Also, the Hebrew word speaks of cure or health, one who's bringing a word that brings health, one that cures or heals through that word, through that errand, through that message that he will bring. That's very interesting to me, as we'll see in a little bit. The Greek word is presbeo, and it means to act as a representative, to perform the duties of an ambassador. So we get the concept that this ambassador is someone who is authorized to represent a certain country or the one who has sent them. Jesus now is commissioning and appointing his ambassadors into the world on his behalf to represent him, to speak for him, to live for him, to tell his message, to do his work as his official representative. So let's see the facets of this mission that Jesus is now sending his disciples on as his ambassadors. First of all, notice this. He says, go therefore. Now, in Matthew chapter 28, the first verse that we read in verse 18 spoke about what the therefore is there for. When you see the word therefore in scripture, it generally will refer you to something that you've just read, to something that was just brought out in the scripture. And it's the same here. He says, go therefore. In other words, it's because of the fact that all authority has now been given to Jesus. We covered that in the last lesson. This is the basis for authorizing ambassadors on his behalf. In other words, Jesus now stands as the authority who can then commission others as ambassadors to go as his representatives because all authority has been given to him. Now he assigns, appoints, and accredits his envoys, his diplomats, his ambassadors. They are now going to be official representatives of the one who has all authority. He has made them his ambassadors. So he says, therefore go. They are sent wherever he will lead them on his mission to this foreign place, wherever he chooses for them to serve. In other words, because he has all authority, he then now can send forth others to represent him, his kingdom. Remember, he told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. So he is sending forth others to represent his kingdom to this world, to this foreign place, because his kingdom is not here. His kingdom is not of the world. 
And so we are to go to whomever and wherever he chooses for us to go. He will appoint us as an ambassador to this world in some field, in some way, in some sphere of influence to work for him. So what are we to do? He tells us here we are to preach, herald, publish, proclaim, deliver his good news. Preach what? Preach the gospel, the good news. What is the gospel? It's Christ and him crucified. The one thing that Paul said, I will always preach, not of myself. He talked about how it was Christ and him crucified. And the gospel for us is delivered and defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So the gospel is defined for us by Paul. It is all about Jesus Christ and him crucified, dead, buried, and risen again. The death of Jesus is very critical. We must proclaim the true gospel there are many false gospels, so to speak, going about the world today. But we need to understand the true gospel is what Jesus has commissioned his disciples to bring. And it is all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Why is that so crucial? Because we all have sinned. The word of God tells us we've got a sin problem in our heart. We are standing guilty before a holy God. And so there's a payment for sin's wages that's demanded by the Holy God. And he gave us the pattern all in the Old Testament that the innocent, the innocent animal would die on behalf of the guilty so that the guilty could live and go free. So in the death of Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that pattern. The innocent, sinless son of God died in my place, died in your place. On behalf of you and I, the guilty, it was on our behalf. And he did it for one reason, to pay the sin death penalty that was required because of our sin. He did it in our place. The innocent died for us, the guilty. And he died as payment for sin's wages. He was buried. He was buried in the ground. But the grave could not hold him. And God brought him up from the grave. He was resurrected, fulfilling all prophecy. He was resurrected on the third day. God approved of Jesus' sacrificial death on my behalf. And on your behalf, beloved friend, he accepted his sacrifice in my place by raising him from the dead. That's the proof of it. And Paul clarifies that in the book of Romans, that it was for our justification in other words, for our acquittal, because Jesus rose from the grave, you and I can be acquitted before a holy God. He can now declare us as righteous. He can impute righteousness to us, and he can do it without violating his written word. 
because he has received the payment on my behalf. When we believe in Jesus, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we then are justified by faith in him alone. And God then imputes righteousness to us and acquits us of all of our sins. We know that Jesus then has ascended to God and now he sits at the right hand of God the Father interceding on our behalf and working in and through the church so that we will shine his light of the glorious gospel and proclaim his good news. But he will also come again. He will come again just like he promised in John chapter 14 verse 1 through 3 when he says I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place for you but I will come again. He is coming again for us, for all of those who are his, so that we will then be with him. We will be with him, family, forever. Who does he tell us we're to go into and to preach? We're to preach to all the world, all the nations, all the people, every human being, everyone and anyone. Where? In all the world. Everywhere and anywhere. And this is the key. We are to make disciples. These disciples that sat on that mountain right before Jesus was ascended into heaven and heard these words from him had made a commitment to follow Jesus three and a half years earlier. And they had been with him and they became disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are now to reproduce. They are, in other words, to make new disciples just like Jesus. They are to go to others and to proclaim Jesus' message to them and show them through their lifestyle and teach them through their words, the words of Jesus, those who will become as they are and carry on the work after them. That's what Jesus is telling them to do. Make disciples. Multiply. I remember... Years ago, we had a garden and we grew watermelon. And I remember one day when I was eating a slice of the watermelon and the Lord told me to count the seeds. And I did. I counted the seeds in that slice and then to kind of estimate what were the total number of seeds in the whole of the watermelon. And the Lord showed me through that that God has built into everything, even in nature, even in corn or watermelon or cantaloupe, or squash, or whatever it is. He has built into everything, including into us, his disciples, the idea and the concept of multiplication, even exponential in watermelon. Because you take one watermelon, and from that one watermelon, you can plant 60, 80, 100, 200 different seeds in the ground, And those then will produce a watermelon plant that can produce another 6, 8, 10, 20 watermelons on it. And they will make more just like them. It's the same thing that God is saying here. Make disciples. Make those who will be my followers just like you are. You go and you tell them my word. You teach them my word. You teach them what I've said. You teach them how I've lived before you. You teach them how they're to live. You teach them how they're to do life with me in right relationship with me so that they are pleasing to me and I can bless them so they're to make disciples. This is called discipleship. And 
It is one of the greatest needs of our day. We need to be growing in the Lord. Now I want to just mention, I have begun an Oaks of Righteousness discipleship program. You're certainly welcome to check that out. But be growing in the Lord. Discipleship happens in many ways. It's certainly a personal relationship with you daily in his word, daily in prayer with the Lord, worshiping him, hearing from him, learning to discern his spirit, to know his voice, learning to discern his voice, the voice of our shepherd, the good shepherd. We want to be sheep that know his voice and follow him and no other. So discipleship is part of that. It's also perhaps part of Bible study, church groups, small groups, etc. You can learn discipleship, but make sure that it's founded on learning the word of God and on becoming like him. That's true discipleship. It's not a social club. It's not a gathering where you talk about everything under the sun. It's the focus on becoming like Jesus. In my Yeshua, Son of David, Exploring Matthew's Gospel, series. There's an episode there from Matthew chapter 4 where I get into the calling of his disciples, those who would commit to their teacher to live with him, learn from him, obey, imitate him, put his teachings and his lifestyle into practice, etc. All of this is what we're talking about when we're talking about discipleship. It's becoming like Jesus. Discipleship involves gathering students to learn from him or enrolling pupils, those who will commit to him and be like him and carry on the work. For instance, in the New Testament, you will see Paul doing that. For instance, with the Thessalonica church, he went and he stayed with them for several months and he taught them. He taught them of the scriptures. He taught them about life. He taught them about the second coming of Jesus. He taught them the word of God. He taught them how to live as a Christian. And then he would go somewhere else and he would build a church there and he would teach them. And then he would come back and he would check on them. He'd write letters to them. He'd encourage them. So we are to enroll pupils. We are to help make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who will commit to him and who will become like him and carry on the work in their generation. We're to make disciples of all the nations. Anyone, everyone, anywhere, everywhere, baptizing them. Those who will choose to be his disciples, then they can be baptized in water baptism once they've repented of their sin. And he says, baptize them in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because the mission that all of us are on as his disciples is from the Lord. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is on God's behalf, and we will bear his name in order to complete it. We are the ambassadors of God to the world, so to speak, and that's what he's doing here. He is commissioning his ambassadors. He tells us also that as part of our mission and our errand that he is sending us on as his ambassadors, we are to teach the word of God. We are to teach people to observe it, obey it, keep it, guard it, watch over and treasure it, all of it, the whole of the word. We're to teach the word of God because the word of God contains what he wants us to know, what he wants us to do, how he wants us to live so that he can then bless us and be glorified 
through us. Jesus ends this by saying, I am with you always, even to the very end. You are authorized by me to go out as my ambassador. But not only that, you're also not alone. I will be with you. The Holy Spirit will come inside of you. And that would happen just a few days later at the day of Pentecost when the church, so to speak, was born. The mission is couched in between being authorized by his authority so that we then can be authorized representatives, his ambassadors, through his appointment here so that now we become his witnesses. If you remember when he appeared to so many after his resurrection, it was because they were to be his eyewitnesses, his witnesses. Now it carries to all of his disciples in all generations, including us. And we have him with us leading, blessing, and producing fruit through our obedience and our service. He supplies the power for us. I want to read a few verses in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So it's our turn. He is now telling us, I'm supplying the power to you through the Holy Spirit of God to be my witnesses, to be my ambassadors everywhere, from your own hometown, from your family, all the way outward to all the world, to all who I will send you to. We will receive or be endued with it will be bestowed upon us the power, the dunamis, the dynamite power, that strength, that ability, and the purpose. It's not for power or for show or for our experience or our enjoyment. It's not for gloating. It's not for any of those things. The purpose Jesus said here is so that we will be his witnesses. We will testify and give evidence of him everywhere and anywhere. Now understanding more about ambassadorship, let's see its application. Paul speaks of ambassadorship and its mission and its errand in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19 through 20. Now in this passage Paul is writing, he's in chains, he's in prison, but notice he says this in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19 and 20, and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, though in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul is saying here, I'm an ambassador, even though I'm in chains right now, I'm an ambassador, I'm his official representative. And I want boldness to declare the message I want to be able to complete the errand that I've been authorized as a representative and sent on. I want to deliver the message as Christ's ambassador. And that message is the gospel. 
in agreement and understanding with Jesus' great commission, Paul says here that that is our errand that we are to complete. That is what we are to proclaim, to proclaim the gospel everywhere and to all we can. The errand is the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then as we draw to a close, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. This defines our ambassadorship and the authority and the basis for it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So here Paul defines for us our ambassadorship and the authority and the basis for it as well. Here again, it's the gospel. The gospel is the ministry of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation or the logos of reconciliation in other words, we're to deliver the Logos fulfillment of Scripture or the fulfillment of Scripture in the Gospel. What the Scripture teaches is what we're to deliver about sin, about repentance, about faith in Jesus' atoning work, salvation and justification by faith alone, sanctification and new life, and the glorification that will come later when we have eternal life with God. This is the truth of the word of God that we are made ambassadors to deliver. The word of reconciliation. And we are God's ambassadors to deliver that. Paul even says that here. We are ambassadors for Christ as if God were pleading with us. Notice it's as if God is through us pleading with the world. We are his ambassadors, his official representatives to bring the message, and we do the errand that he has given us. Lastly, let's understand also the importance of our responsibility as ambassadors. And that is summed up in the word faithfulness. It's interesting, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 17, Solomon writes this, A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings help. Remember earlier when we were talking about the meaning of ambassador, it also includes in the Hebrew that bringing of help, one who brings something that cures or restores wholeness and soundness. Beloved friend, that's what the gospel does because we are in need of wholeness. We're in need of that soundness. We're in need of a cure for our sin. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings that because he has done that on our behalf. And through simple faith in his atoning work, we now have that wholeness. We can have that cure and be reconciled 
to God. Paul also spoke in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 about a faithful steward. A steward would be one who was held responsible to manage what the Lord had given to us in this life for us to use. So that applies here as well. Faithfulness is what God is looking for. And lastly, I want to leave us with one encouraging word for all of the disciples of Jesus Christ that take this seriously and that are working to do what he has said as his ambassadors, representing him rightly in this world. Notice this, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. May God find us faithful ambassadors, bringing help to the world through the true good news of Jesus Christ as his official representative, living for him and witnessing to others of him. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing, you can join us again as we conclude the Passion to Pentecost series in the next coming lessons. Thank you and God bless you today in Jesus name. Amen.